0: Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast.
1: Welcome to Football Social Daily and welcome to Friday, where for the final time until Boxing Day, we're on the eve of Premier League action. You can hear what former Premier League players Matty Fryat and Trevor Stephen think of this weekend's games, including Nathan Jones' first game as Southampton boss at Liverpool and of course the England squad going to Qatar on this week's edition of the Dugout Podcast. That will be available later on, so just hit subscribe and you'll be notified as soon as it drops. But for today, though, we're going to run the rule over everyone's favourite cup competition. It's the Carabao. And we'll also be asking exactly which nations will be crowned champions of the world, as well as indulging in our weekly quiz. This is your award-winning Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. I'm Niall McCorn, and with me today, Ian Brannan and Marley Anderson. Happy Friday, boys. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning, happy Friday to you too. Thank you very much. That was very, that was very radio presenter-esque. I know that is one of your many jobs, Ian, but <laughs> I enjoyed uh, that. Well, that's said. Here's the
2: Eagles. (laughs) Uh, Well, there you go. Wheels of steel. (laughs) (laughs) Not off.
1: Right, let's talk about uh, football because there's been plenty of it, of course. Um, It's been hard to keep up with it all, in all fairness, over the last seven days. What a week it's been. We've seen Liverpool placed up for sale. We've seen a Champions League draw. We've seen a World Cup squad announced for England. But there's also been Carabao Cup action and that is where we are going to begin on today's edition of Football Social Daily because yesterday's game between Manchester United and Aston Villa which finished 4-2 to the home team means that the round three ties for the competition are now all sewn up and we move on to the fourth round games which will be played two days after the World Cup final. We'll come on to that shortly because that is just crazy to me but let's pick out some of the results. In those midweek fixtures in the Carabao Cup. And I want to begin, Marley, with Tottenham losing to Nottingham Forest. Jesse Lingard was on the score sheet. Tottenham out of the competition. And another trophy opportunity lost for Spurs. And a few Spurs fans I've seen don't seem that bothered by it. But should they be bothered? Because as much as there's lots of games for them to get stuck into, both in Europe and, of course, in the Premier League as well... Let's not forget, Tottenham haven't won a trophy since two thousand and eight, and that will always be over them, regardless of whether they're in the Carabao or not. I suppose you can't really be picky if you're trying to win a trophy. Why not try and win this one? Yeah, that's um, that's the thing that's sort of uh, been questionable for me about Spurs over the the
3: last um, what, how many years? Is it fourteen years? They've not had a had a trophy, but um, it's it's one of them where like you think you you've just got to go for everything, like. I don't think it's that difficult to get quite far in the Carabao Cup because there's so, there's so few games to win that, like, you think about the FA Cup, like, it's in, you know, gets properly going in, in March um, where you get all the um, the sort of fifth round and sixth round and, and quarters and semis and you've got everything to sort of squeeze in while it's all getting a bit, um, a bit sort of important in the league whereas the carabao's done by fe- i mean the finals in february so if you can win a few games you know you win three games i think you're in the semi-finals so it's one of those where spurs have had more than a good enough squad to take it seriously for, the, for most of that last 14 years um but every year they do tend to just be like oh well we're gonna it's all about finishing fourth for us but you know, you've seen it this season. What, what happens when they finish fourth? They go into the Champions League. They struggle in that. They probably go out in the first knockout round if they get there, or they go into the Europa League, and then they don't they don't do anything else. So it's kind of like, you know, after so many years, do you not just want to get that monkey off your back? Because at the minute, you know, Harry Kane is going to go down as one of the most um, talented, stats wise, in, insane strikers of, of his generation. And he's going to. At the minute he'd leave with absolutely nothing in his uh, in his trophy cabinet, and that's why he put a transfer request in uh, a year ago, 18 months ago. So it's uh, it's missed opportunities again for Spurs, and they were they were shocking the other night as well. They didn't didn't look bothered; they all looked tired. Um, and if you're going to lose to Nottingham Forest, you do have to
1: do something wrong. With Tottenham, I don't think they're too bothered just because of the amount of games that they've had. But I just wonder what the mentality is for teams like this because Arsenal used to do it as well. They used to graft all season to get into the top four. They'd finish fourth and then they get knocked out of the Champions League in the last 16 and they'd do it all over again. And I just think as much as getting into Europe is obviously a great achievement and great for the fans, I mean, there needs to be a point to it. There needs to be a point. I mean, Tottenham will obviously look to try and finish in the top four again. But I just don't see the point of qualifying for the Champions League unless, you, unless you, obviously the players will try and win, but it just reminds me of what happened to Arsenal those years ago when they had the Emirates that had just been built, and Wenger was trying to work his side into the top four on limited budget and resources, as well as far as Arsenal are concerned. Um, and they just finished fourth, and they'd either get knocked out in the group stages or the last sixteen of the Champions League, and they just do it all again. I just think, what's the point? You know, you you want to win stuff. You know, as I've said so many times, the game is literally about glory, particularly in terms of clubs like Tottenham who need to kind of ensure that they are being more successful than they are. But they're out of the Carabao Cup. So to a Chelsea who lost to Manchester City midweek. I think it was 2-0 the final score. And City have since been drawn against Liverpool. So that looks like a good game. But do you think Man City as they have been over the last, well, ever since Pep Guardiola turned up really, Ian? Do you think that they're favourites to win the Carabao Cup yet again?
2: I think they've certainly got a good chance of at least getting to Wembley haven't they and and this is the thing you know they they have been so dominant particularly in this cup but I think it's largely because Man City well on two two fronts really firstly they take it seriously they always put a strong side out but because they've got such a big squad of quality players that even if they put a second team out it's still probably better than many sides first team that they're going to come up against Um, and so they have been dominant you know they won it what 2014 16 18 19 20 21 and maybe 22 who knows Um, and uh, sorry 23 because of course last year was uh, Liverpool won it technically the 2022 as far as this is concerned so between Man City and Liverpool. They've been dominant over the last ten years, and it's only really been um, what Chelsea and Man United who've won the other ones. Ah, actually, and another side. Can you remember who the other side is? That's not a top four it side. Was Swansea, wasn't it? Remember watching yeah. it Swansea. at Uni
1: against Bradford. What a cup comp! What a cup season yeah, that, what, that was. What,
2: <laughs> it's, like, it's like a cup final from the 1950s uh, but they, uh, they anyway yeah they won it so but fa- apart from that you know Man City's dominance and I remember Sunderland getting to the League mm. Cup final way back when and, and we went down with family to to watch that got some tickets and went to watch that at Wembley and of course it wasn't a great day for Sunderland I mean, it was a great day up until yeah. Man City started mm. playing after about seven minutes uh, yeah, I saw um, they
1: scored a blinding goal I seem to remember in that game oh they, they, were, in, they were great yeah. goals
2: but yeah. a great occasion, but we were speaking to the Man City fans on the way down, and they were like, you know, because they'd, they'd already been down there, I think, was that the era when Tottenham were maybe playing there, around then, when they were having the ground redeveloped? Um, and they were like saying that they'd been down to Wembley how many times in the last year? And, and, when, and at that point, because that was, what, was that 2014 maybe? But anyway, at that point, they, they were like, treating it as a you know almost like an annual trip down to 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 Wembley and and that seems to be how it is certainly in this tournament so yeah i think there's a very good chance of them or you know, I know Liverpool have got a tough game coming up, it's certainly going to be one of them isn't it that uh, you'd fancy is going to be lifting that, that trophy, certainly in the final
1: Yeah, Absolutely, well from one side of Manchester to the other, United were through by virtue of a 4-2 win over Aston Villa yesterday, Alejandro Garnaccio with two assists, the young man again impressing, goals as well from Marcus Rashford on the day that he was called up to the England squad, he'll be going to the Middle East uh, as part of Gareth Southgate's three lines group and he played very well yesterday as well, was on the score she also um, so United through to the fourth round they'll face Burnley at home in the next stage and that's a decent draw for Manchester United do you think Ten Hag will be looking at picking up silverware in his first season it sounds like a strange thing to say because of course a manager all the time will be looking to pick up silverware in his first season but in a weird way like what we saw with Mikel Arteta in his first season at Arsenal Mali he went on to win the FA Cup And the following season, that kind of raised expectations in the Premier League. And there were many occasions where Arteta felt like he was on the brink. Now, of course, immense credit to him. He's pulled it back and Arsenal are flying top of the Premier League. So, Ten Hag, in terms of his immediate impact at Manchester United, it's been a long time. 2017, they last won a trophy. So, I guess there's a good chance that he'll be eyeing this competition up, albeit in the background at this point. Yeah, I think...
3: um it's not that dissimilar to to the spurs thing even though you know man united are, are different cause they have won some much more recently than than spurs but um with them it's like the the want for for trophies is is always there and like the expectation is is there you can't really go that long before people start you know really expecting expecting more um and to be fair i don't think i've seen ten hag put out a a sort of full second team in any game that I've that I've seen Man United play, and I think even in the the uh, the European midweeks, he's he's gone pretty strong. It tends to be like Garnacho and stuff comes in, but if you look at Garnacho, he's he's on the verge of the first team anyway, so I wouldn't really describe him as as sticking the kids out type of thing. It's uh, he tends to take everything seriously. I mean, the fact that Dubravka made his debut last night and he's been there for. You know, five months now is uh, is something. So that tells you that he's he's taking everything seriously with De Gea playing every game, but it's um it's it has to be a target for him though, the Carabao Cup, because you know, if if Liverpool beat um Man City in the next round I was looking at the draw last night, there's not that many teams in it that you'd that you'd be scared of because they're drawing each other. Chelsea drew Man City, then Liverpool have drew Man City, so Whatever happens there, you know, one of them's going out and it opens the drawer up to, to other teams. So Spurs, for example, and Man United um, and even Newcastle have got to be looking at it and thinking, if they're all knocking each other out and we've got, you know, it, I mean, Man United have got Burnley at home and, and Newcastle have got um, Bournemouth at home, you know, fairly simple looking games on paper to get to a, a quarter quarterfinal of, um, of, a, of a cup, which is still going to be stacked with other not- A-rated team sort of thing.
1: Well, Well, look at this fourth round draw for the Carabao. Wolves against Gillingham, Southampton versus Lincoln, Blackburn, Nottingham Forest, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Manchester City versus Liverpool, which is, of course, the standout tie here, Manchester United against Burnley, MK Dons against Leicester and Charlton versus Brighton. So you're absolutely right, Marley. There are clubs in there, even ones that maybe are struggling in the Premier League, the likes of Wolves and Southampton, um, also Leicester City, that might look at this competition. And even Brighton and Newcastle, you know, will be looking at this thinking, what a great opportunity for us now, um, with one of City or Liverpool being knocked out. And then really, it's Manchester United in terms of the strongest teams, you'd argue on paper, um, in the competition. But as you mentioned, those fourth round games they're going to be played the week commencing of the 19th of December so circle that one on your calendar mm. Ian two days after the World Cup final that sounds crazy yeah. It sounds bizarre to me that we're going to restart domestic football two days after the World Cup final now I know England might not reach the later stages of the World Cup so there might be a break but some of the players in the Premier League you'd imagine will be involved in the semis or the final of the World Cup in about a month or two's time. So it's going to be strange for football to start so immediately after such a showpiece event like the World Cup final.
2: Yeah, and obviously we don't know who's going to make it to the to the latter stages and which sides are going to be more affected by that or not. I mean, as well, the thing, you're just going through the fixtures there and saying what a great opportunity it is. I think it's also potentially, you know, with that in mind, could heap a lot of pressure on some managers as well we don't know what the situation is going to be at some of these clubs you know come uh, a few weeks time from now you know what I mean though a, a manager who's maybe under pressure who then has to come out and face a, a lesser side say for example you know Wolves I know they've got a new manager but you know if Gillingham turn them over that, that sort of sets your whole Christmas period off on the, on the wrong foot doesn't it and we know that how important the whole Christmas and New Year period is anyway let alone after having had a break and playing catch up and getting these key fixtures all rammed in I don't know just it could be an extra sideshow there for one or two managers potentially you know look at Ten, Ten Hag, you know if he has a a bit of a bad run over the, the remaining games between now and the World Cup, and they restart and they get turned over by Burnley at Old Trafford. You know, it doesn't set things up for a, for a very merry Christmas potentially. But um, what were we saying about the, the whole scheduling of it? Yes, um, you know, twentieth of December. It, it does seem weird. You do, so you do kind of fancy the fact that. The big teams are going to put second sides out. So if Liverpool or Man City have got players that do make it through to the semi-finals or the final of the, the World Cup, which they could well do, um, you know, they, they could be playing sort of lesser lesser teams, I suppose. Which is not what the fans want. The fans want to see Man City and Liverpool going at it, as we know they can. And I, I think potentially it's it's going to be a bit of a. After the Lord Mayor show, sort of feel about it for those certainly for those bigger teams. I think you know the likes of uh, you know the lower the lower league sides are obviously going to be less less affected, but it, it does give them that potential opportunity against the bigger teams. Um, but I think it just yeah. But the EFL Cup's always been this way, hasn't it? Or the League Cup, or yeah. the Milk yeah, Cup, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> You know, it, it's always had that air for the bigger sides of it being a lesser tournament and they've never said that but they said it on the pitch and it was Arsenal I think really that started it wasn't it by playing just just I think Arsene Wenger way back he he just gave it over to the kids didn't he as in it basically tr- treated it as a, an under 21s tournament and now obviously we've got the Papa Johns that sort of takes care of that for the bigger clubs but even still it's it it has been that way and yeah and I know that like Leeds United obviously went out, but there was a split with fans that I saw was saying, "Oh, we're not, you know, we're not giving it a go" because they played like the kids, and then you've got the other fans that are saying, "Yeah, but we don't want the best players injured going into Christmas or the World Cup." I mean, you know, Not that Leeds have got really anything to really particularly trouble the World Cup with.
1: But. <laughs> I think this is something I spoke to Matty Fryer about recently, and you can hear from Matty, who used to play for Leicester and Forest and Hull City in the Premier League uh, later on on the dugout, which you can find by hitting subscribe on this podcast feed. I was speaking to him recently about the Carabao Cup, and he said something that a lot of people say, which is, why don't we just remove the sides that are in European football? out of the competition. So there's no City, no Manchester United, etc., etc. So you don't really have the top seven Premier League teams. And then that will give the likes of a Newcastle, a West Ham, a Leicester, or even a lower league side, maybe even a championship side, the chance to, to reach the final or the later stages of the competition. Because as you rightly say, that Swansea versus... Bradford City final, Swansea were a Premier League team, Bradford City were a League Two side, so that, you know, is a real strange final, that one. But we've seen Birmingham City win the trophy in the last 15, 20 years. Um, There's been teams that you wouldn't expect getting to the later stages, so I definitely think the Carabao has a place. And from the EFL's perspective, I guess that they'll be pretty happy that this is the first football on domestic soil post-World Cup, because I'm sure there'll be a lot of Um, keenness to get down to stadiums having watched uh, a month's worth of international football to get back to, to, to domestic and club level football so those matches will take place two days after the World Cup final, Carabao Cup round four but who will be in that World Cup final? We're going to try and answer that question next as we'll go through our World Cup predictions. We'll do it after this on Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is your award-winning Premier League podcast from the Sports Social team. I'm Niall. Ian and Marley are with me and the World Cup is right around the corner. Qatar, the venue, a first ever World Cup in the European winter. England have got their first game on the 21st of November. It's a one o'clock kickoff UK time on a Monday afternoon against Iran before they take on the United States. And then their final group game is against Wales. But just how far will Gareth Southgate's three lines get? We'll come on to that in a minute, but I want to know Marley and Ian's World Cup predictions. So, let's not beat around the bush. Let's go straight to the final and we'll begin with you, Ian. Who are your favourites to win
2: this FIFA World Cup? Hmm. Hmm. It's always a tricky one. I I'm fancying um and I know that we've got you've you've sent a little sort of a a, a general prediction uh, thing over of of who's likely to face who. So we've got that and and that's saying Brazil versus France. I'm actually thinking that I I don't think Brazil are going to get there to the final. And I know that they're the favorites for the tournament with the bookies as they always are, but you know, they, they've—I don't know—they they just seem a bit hit and miss, perhaps sometimes.
1: I'm actually going to go. You know what go. I was saying this as well the other day, and there's been mm. political, and we don't really tend to talk too much about the political landscape on this show, but in Brazil, yeah. mm. there's been a big political split with a recent presidential election, um, where Bolsonaro, who's the was the current president has been sort of ousted he's lost an election and his followers slash supporters have decided they don't want to accept the election result so there is political division in brazil now that can either do one of two things that can either polarize a nation and make things more difficult or the national team can bring the nation together again so it Mm. certainly feels like this is a moment in time in brazil in general not just footballing wise but just generally
2: Yeah, there could be distractions there as well, um, and and, and all that. And of course, this is a different World Cup because outside of the uh, outside of the big, what four or five? There's there's not actually not any teams won it. You know, you look at the, the list of winners is what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams in in the history of football have won the World Cup. The majority of those being Brazil, Germany. Uh, and Italy, the, the top three. And then, of course, the, the other thing is that you usually have this home nation advantage. You know, England won it when they hosted it. France won it when they hosted it. You know, for example, um, you're not going to have that with Qatar, unfortunately. It's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> really? So Yeah, I'm, I'm calling it now, folks. Let's get down there. Get down the bookies. and You show them. Bring it home. Um, Brannan's brave call strikes again. Br- yeah, I know. Got to be careful with me, cash. Look, you're looking at somebody here that cashes out $1 up in Las Vegas. Um, I'm going to go for... Uh, um, right, where's that little Ready reckoner thing? Because I want to make sure they're going to actually meet each other. Uh, I am going to go for um, the classic France versus Germany final, I reckon. I think Germany are going to do better than... Germany are always there or thereabouts. They're a great tournament side. You know they're going to wing it through on some penalties at some point because they always do. Um, possibly even against England, <laughs> you never know. Uh, so yeah, I'm. I'm. I think Germany. Um, mind you, actually no, they're in separate half of the draw aren't they? So the only way that England and Germany surely are going to meet is would be in a final, would mm,
3: it? No, because well, if yeah, semi because if Germany finished second. In their group to to Spain in a um, semi, yeah, we assume um, they would go into England's half and could meet in the semi rather than mm-hmm, final. Yeah. But yeah, it's a semi at the earliest.
1: But even 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 so, I mean, Brazil I- is a team that maybe you don't think will do as well uh, as people are expecting. But Marley, you think Brazil will do well? I've spoken to you about this already. Brazil are one of the teams that you're fancying and on the same side of the draw as Brazil um, this is not to say that these two sides will meet each other but Argentina are also a well fancied team Lionel Messi of course has never won a World Cup and that seems to be a big talking point going into this one so the South American teams are looking decent at this point
3: yeah I, I just think with um, with South American teams the Brazilian season is, is finished um, there's not that many many uh, yeah, Brazilian based players. players in the squad to be fair but you know they've they've it's more it's a more normal World Cup for them. It's coming at the end of the season, so you know will there be a load of Brazilian fans out there? Would they would they make a difference? Maybe. Um, you know, there's the, the squad's ridiculous. You know, nine nine attackers in that squad. Uh, I think there's four centre backs and four full backs, and and everyone else is an attacking player. Um, so it's it's gung ho style. But I I I actually love to see Brazil Argentina. In in the final for the for the statement of it, but that does require one of them finishing second in the group, and the groups look fairly straightforward for them. I can't see Switzerland, you know, overtaking Brazil, and I can't see Poland out qualifying Argentina, for example. But I, thinking about it as well, I think a semi final between them would be would be massive because I always think semi finals and quarter finals to some extent. A, a better football matches than finals finals tend to be a bit cagey and everyone's a bit scared um whereas semis and quarters particularly semis are absolutely um just wild they tend to bring out the best football um and there's the whole messy narrative with you know 35 years old I think he is now and it'd be nice for him to go out with the biggest biggest prize in football but i think for england you know it's probably quarter finals before you run into a into a, a France, I would say. Um, and if not France, it's 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 on the other side of the draw where you'd, you'd, you'd look at Holland, Argentina and, and Brazil. So you're probably definitely better off winning the group if you're England um, and, and putting it all on the line against France in a quarterfinal, for example.
1: Yeah, so Brazil are a team that Marley fancies. Ian thinks Germany might do quite well, no real surprise considering they are probably the two most successful World Cup teams of all time no Italy though in this tournament France they've got their problems and who knows how Spain might do Uh, Portugal with Ronaldo so many different little narratives going on ahead of this World Cup in Qatar so how far will England get that's the next question you said quarter final there Mali you think maybe trying to put it all on the line against the French team who are in the same group as Denmark for example What about you, Ian? Because I've said this before, I don't fancy England to do as well as everybody is hoping they will do. I'd love England to do as well as they've done in the last two tournaments. Of course, a final of the Euros and a semi-final of the last World Cup four and a half years ago. I just feel like maybe something's going to go wrong. I don't know whether that's the English pessimism in me, but
2: I don't know how you see it. Do you know what? And and, and just generally, I'm not not fired up for the World Cup. And it's because it's you know, with other stuff going on, with plenty of other sport happening, I mean, we're into watching I'm a Celeb, you know, that's dominating our uh, TV habits at this moment <laughs> in time. We're starting to turn our attention to Christmas, people are getting busy going out and doing things. It's just, it's not that point of the year, it's weird having it at this point of the year. I'm not fired up for the World Cup. However, when it comes around, it's going to be very quick for us to get in the groove, I'm pretty sure. Um, England, do you know what? There's no reason there's no reason at all why 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 this can't be england's year no reason at all people are you know having their say about who's selected who's been left out and what have you but gareth southgate when it comes to the tournaments has he let us down yet not so far you know he's done as as well or better than any manager that of of of, of recent times and and planning for the long game and that's something that maybe we haven't done in the past, um, uh, with tournaments, we've we've picked the, the the so-called golden generation, and they haven't fired, and we've had no plan B. and And what we've seen in the team selection from Gareth Southgate is options, and people might not see it at the moment, but you know, going back to previous tournaments, there's always been question marks over players. I mean, Calvin Phillips was the last one, wasn't he? There was a big question mark about him, and there's a question mark about him again now. And look, what you know, he was the the, the player of the tournament. In the end, for England, and you know, so so maybe we've just got to trust in Gareth Southgate that he's seen something and knows knows the plan uh, of navigating his way through this tournament, and that's where it is. It's game by game. It's all right going out smacking people six or seven nil, but just one nil will do. And, and you gently edge forward and edge forward and, and get to the final stages. You know, looking at the, the, the competition there and the sides that they're going to come up against, there's no reason why they can't win. There's no reason why they can't beat France. There's no reason why they can't beat someone like Belgium or Portugal because they have done in the past. And then get to the final or the semi finals, you're talking one off games there. Why can't England do it? And I, Obviously, I've, I've, I've said Germany, <laughs> because they've got the record of winning World Cups and winning tournaments over the years. But there is absolutely no reason why England at least can't get through to the semifinals or the finals and surprise a few people. Um, the only thing is, of course, when they, instead of having the big homecoming open-top bus parade, we'll be playing the EFL Cup matches. So... You know, we'll have to wait. I don't fancy an open-top bus, bus parade
3: a few weeks, a couple of weeks before Christmas would be absolutely <laughs> freaky. <laughs>
2: That's a very good point.
1: <laughs>
2: Imagine that, around Blackpool. Yeah. Some uh, sort of open-top yeah, bus parade bad. around
0: Morecambe or somewhere yeah. like that.
1: <laughs> Two quid pints. Everyone's going to be absolutely freezing. <laughs>
2: all the players yeah. wrapped up from Qatar to... Uh,
1: it, it, it looked like the, uh,
2: the East 17 video, weren't it, just with a trophy? Um,
1: all right, well, England... Could reach the final. They could bomb at the group stages. That is the unpredictable nature of the World Cup. So how far will England get? We'll wait and see. 21st of November, the first group game against Iran. Right, finally, before we move on from this World Cup, because I'm sure we'll talk about it in far more depth and detail over the coming days and weeks, who are your dark horses, Marley? And who do you think will be the biggest disappointments of the tournament? Don't say Turkey, because they're not in it. (laughs) Um...
3: Scotland, Ireland?
1: Look at some teams here. Croatia reached the last World Cup final. No one seems to be speaking about them. They've still got pretty much the same group of players that they had four years ago. Belgium are always considered a team with great players, but as that golden generation era passed them by? Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo is obviously the key figure there. He's almost undroppable in that Portuguese side, but they've also got really good players in that team too. So, I mean, there are other teams to look at here um, in both camps, whether that be dark horses or disappointments.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm tempted by Belgium as as disappointments. I think, you know, they're in a group with um, Canada, Morocco and Croatia. And as much as that seems kind of straightforward, you know, Canada are, are getting Getting a lot better, you know. They've got some. Jonathan David um, is a is a really uh, sort of hyped player. Uh, Kyle Larin up front has been really good. Um, Alphonso Davis. I don't know if he's if he's going. I'm not sure if he's injured or not. But if he goes, he's he's a top player as well. And I was looking at Belgium's squad yesterday, and and still the best defenders are are Alderweireld and Vertonghen, and they're you know the 35, 36, the pair of them. I just I just think it's slightly passed them by a little bit. And with Lukaku dropping out of form massively, um, I'm looking at them and thinking it's all, also Roberto Martinez has always struck me as a manager who I, I don't know what he's done to get that job, um, but he's he's kind of got a squad good enough to to keep getting far enough to not get him sacked type of thing. Um, so I'm I'm probably going for Belgium as my uh, as my flops because um, I think they might scrape through the group stage, but then if they if they do do that, I think they're in a, they're in the the, uh, the position where they're probably going to get someone like Germany in the first knockout stage, and then and then I would back Germany to uh, to to eliminate them. But in terms of dark horses, I, I, think, maybe, um, I think maybe I think maybe I think it's hard actually. But I'm looking at I'm looking at the draw. I, I don't. I, I'm struggling to, I think, do Portugal count? I, I don't think they no, count. I
1: mean, I, I mean, it's strange, isn't it? Because all of the teams that you expect to go through the group stages, you would mm. expect to go through the group stages. It's as simple as that, really. I mean, maybe a team like Poland, who's, who have got Lewandowski, Senegal. We don't know if Mane's going to be fit. Will they just do something? Um, I'd be, I'd be I mean, tempted to it. We look by... at this predictive bracket, but yeah. Ghana as well. Ghana <laughs> have got Uruguay in the group stages. And obviously, there's exactly the the fury of what happened with luis suarez oh my God, what was yeah. it 10 years ago 12 years ago and he's in the uruguay squad which was announced this morning he's in along with cavani and yes so that's their forward trio basically so yeah. can you imagine luis suarez playing against ghana and the the fire that the africans will have in their belly to to set straight the <laughs> the injustice of years gone by i think that that's the best group i think group h uh, uruguay south korea
3: portugal and ghana i think there's not an obvious whipping boy in there. Ghana will be bang up for it, as as you say, um, and they've got some, some handy players as well to to help them out. Uruguay, I was I was gonna pick them as as my sort of dark horses because you can't really you can't but you can't really sort of mm. know what they're no, gonna destroyed do. Destroyed
1: England in 2014.
3: Yeah, but they've got a bit of Belgiums about them. Like are are, are all the best players a, a little bit old? Like Suarez and Cavani. are... A, a knocking on you've got Nuñez does he get in the side with with them two up front and you know it's uh there's a few I mean Valverde playing incredibly well for Real Madrid and Benancor is going as well I think um but yeah it's um that's the I think that's the group where the dark horse is going to come out I wouldn't be surprised if Sons if Sons there for South Korea I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them squeak through ahead of Uruguay but I think whoever comes uh, top of that group would be would be in a really strong position because then they've got the slightly easier half if everything goes as, as expected and you maybe draw someone like Switzerland in, in the last 16.
1: All right, well, we'll wait and see because it won't be long until the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. You can let us know your predictions for dark horses or disappointments by getting in touch on social media at Pod is the Twitter handle and the pinned tweet at the top of that profile will take you to our Telegram group. So click the link, download the app, get in the group and you can let us know how you think the World Cup will pan out. That's it for the football side of things on today's episode of Football Social Daily. Next, we're going to have a bit of fun because it's the weekly quiz as Marley and Ian go toe-to-toe once more. We'll do it after this.
0: Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk
1: Welcome back. Final part of today's edition of Football Social Daily. On a Friday, we do our weekly quiz. I'm the quiz master, and in recent weeks, Ian and Marley have gone head to head. They've pitted their wits against each other to see who really is the biggest football boffin amongst us. Um, there's been some good little quiz clashes between you two guys. I can't remember who was the winner last week, but um, I it last been, week. It's been good. You won last week. All right, yeah. Make sure you make sure you get that out there. Ian's looking to reclaim his but crown. I wasn't
2: on last week. okay. No, I beat Was it Jim? Did I, you
1: beat Jim?
3: I beat I beat Joel. I think I beat Ian the week before, did I? Uh
2: Ooh, so he's on a hat yeah. trick so I think streak. yeah, yeah, you are you are on a winning streak. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Bring it
1: on. Extend it. Let's go. Marley? It's it's you first and then it's Ian. So it's four questions each. We'll take it in turns. Whoever's got the most points at the end is the winner. And if it's tied, we'll go for a tiebreaker. How's that? Let's go. Nice one. Alright, Marley, first question. Southampton have just appointed Luton manager Nathan Jones as their new boss. Three and a half year deal replacing the sacked Ralph Hasenhurzel. And, and his first game is away at Liverpool this weekend. Really difficult one, which of course we'll preview on the dugout. And you can hear that later on on this podcast feed. But can you name a current Premier League side that Nathan Jones used to play for? Uh, Brighton. Correct. Well done. A point to Marley. Brighton is the right answer. Um, he also played for Yeovil Town. He played for Southend as well. You um, must have done some research on Nathan Jones recently, because I'm, I'm not sure many people would have got that question right. Because I have no memory of him at Brighton, albeit they were down in the lower reaches back then.
3: I was googling yesterday because uh, yesterday I described him as a as a young manager, and I thought how old is he? Because I I heard somebody say 49 on the on the radio, and I was like, is he 49? Because I probably probably doesn't qualify as a young manager, but because he's been only in management for about six years. I still, I, I'm still claiming it. I'm still saying it's right. <laughs> so so yeah. when I was on his Wikipedia, I was like, who, who did he actually play for? And uh, yeah, Brighton popped up.
1: Well, you are right. You are absolutely right. Okay. Ian, which League Two club knocked Brentford out of the Carabao Cup on penalties midweek after just one shot
2: all game? Oh, um, oh I saw it. Brentford, League Two. Uh, they lost six five on
1: penalties. It finished one one after normal time, beaten by a League Two club. Oh,
2: I, th- I can't remember.
1: Oh, oh, it was them. We were just talking about Gillingham. It was Gillingham. Well done. Yeah, um, remarkable statistics from that game. I'm not sure how Brentford managed to the lose. Stats are insane. Um, you posted the stats on our Twitter page, Marley, didn't you? Which is, well, <laughs> uh, I can't remember what they were.
3: I think it was fifteen percent possession. I think one shot on target. Uh, one shot in the entire game, didn't have any shots off target and
2: 165 on penalties. So, uh, yeah, talk about smash and grab. And they've got Wolves now, haven't they? Because the, ir- the irony would be that it had Leeds have beaten Wolves, Leeds would have ended up playing Gillingham and undoubtedly that would have been the standard embarrassment of the <laughs> year at Leeds getting humiliated <laughs> 6-0 by Gillingham.
1: Oh, brilliant. 1-1 uh, the score in the quiz. Well done, Ian. The correct answer was Gillingham, the lead two side dumping out Premier League Brentford. In the week, and at the start of the week, Marley, this is your next question. Liverpool's owners FSG announced that they are officially looking for fresh investment, but how much did the Americans buy the club for in 2010?
3: Um, was it, I'm sure we said it was they were going to be sold for like 10 times as much as they bought.
1: Is it 300 million? yes 300 million yes. well done marley good answer good memory as well from this week's podding so you've done well then you to do as many podcasts
3: point. as me things just like go into your head and, and don't, uh, don't I was, come when out, i but... was
1: trying to put the quiz together i always try and think about what we've said during the week and i can never remember <laughs> we do so many of these podcasts it's hard to remember sometimes <laughs> uh, well done 2-1 to marley ian chance to level things up with this question England announced their 26-man World Cup squad. Gareth Southgate has chosen his players to go to the World Cup in Qatar. But can you name the youngest player in that 26-man
2: World Cup group for the Three Lions? Oh, blimey. Uh, I don't actually know any of their birthdays. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Saka if he's in it it's not it's Jude Bellingham is it oh. Jude
1: Bellingham Saka's 21 Jude oh. Bellingham's only 19 and yeah. you know what I thought it might be Conor Gallagher well Conor Gallagher's older than 19 isn't he so is he yeah. so you know there's one of those where you kind of forget, I mean, it's hard to forget about someone like Jude Bellingham. Um, But I was trying to think of the answer to this question. I actually had to Google it as well. I had no idea. Um, So unlucky, Ian. Bellingham, the right answer. Just 19 years of age will be the youngest England player going to Qatar. One player who isn't going to Qatar, Mali, is Manchester City striker Erling Haaland. And many defenders are scared of Haaland and rightfully so with the goal record he's got this season. But what did the Norwegian reveal was his biggest fear earlier this week his biggest fear is it a physical
3: thing or is it a footballer's answer
1: it's not a footballer's answer no it's 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 something that you'd be scared of
3: yeah um i'm torn between
1: heights and spiders um heights it's snakes and spiders, Marley. You were right oh, there. Jesus. Snakes and spiders. Oh. He's not a big fan of, particularly snakes, but I definitely would have accepted spiders. So the door's still open for you, Ian, to uh, to come in and and try and squeeze uh, a point back out of this one after three questions. Um, so here we go. Apart from Erling Haaland and Harry Kane, who is the Premier League's top goal scorer this season so far?
2: Hmm. Um.
1: Uh, so Harlan's leading the way. Then it's Harry Kane, who's in third place.
2: Oh. Oh. Hang on. Is it? No. It's. It's not. Um. Uh, is it the? It's. Um. Thingy. The Fulham guy. Um. What's his name? Mitrovic. Is it him? Or is it Almiron?
1: It's Mitrovic. It's Mitrovic. Well done. I'll accept your first answer. You've done well there. Mitrovic is correct. Yeah. He is the leading goal scorer apart from Erling Haaland and Harry Kane. And then it's Miguel Almiron, who's, what's he got? Seven goals in eight games or something, Marley? Something ridiculous like that at the moment?
3: Uh, eight. He's got seven in a row and
1: eight in total. Eight in total. All right. So we're locked at 2 2. Going into the final question each. If it's a tie. Then we're going to a tiebreaker. All right, Marley, here we go. Can you name any country who has lodged a bid for the 2030 World Cup? There are a plethora of possible answers here. So you could basically <laughs> stick a pin in a globe, and you might get a right answer.
3: Oh, imagine! Uh, imagine I just pick
1: out the one which isn't. <laughs> uh, well, what I can tell, so what I not- can tell you is this: is there are some. Um, nations who have abandoned their bids and that includes England, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and the Republic of Ireland that bid has been abandoned um, so yes, there's some other cl- countries that have abandoned bids as well so I'm not going to include them Where is it in 2026? Is it America? It's in the United States right. Mexico and Canada right, so it's not going to be any of those nations I did
3: think about USA but I, I'm sure they got one recently Um mm. Right, so it's in the Middle East. It's going to North America. It's been in Europe recently. It's Brazil, twenty fourteen, was there as well. Um, let's go for. I think it might go back to South America, but it, so
1: Brazil can't have it again. So you've got to have like Argentina. Is correct. Well done, Marley. Argentina, in fact, it's a joint bid between Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay and Chile. So, yeah, um, they will have have lodged a bid for the 2030 World Cup. Um, Some of the other nations you could have had, Morocco, Spain, Portugal, Ukraine, of course, have placed a bid. They want to see the World Cup come to Ukraine and the hopes there is that war would have certainly subsided and things would have sorted themselves out in that part of the world Um, Egypt Greece Saudi Arabia they're all there so certainly um, a good answer there with with Argentina so well done that's a, a valuable point there congratulations Marley three out of four so Ian you need to get this right to force a tiebreaker what's going to be a little bit different about Denmark's kits during this upcoming World
2: Cup um is it I don't know are they factoring in rainbows or some kind of human rights um thing
1: you might have to be a little bit more specific than that
2: or some some sort of a human right message or something have they woven some sort of message into it I'm not sure
1: oh it's it's yeah, I'm well, they've tried. <laughs> they've <honest>. tried to.
2: <laughs> it's something like I've yeah. seen something about it, yeah. but I was well, only half well, listening. It... Um, they've tried to put some some sort of message into it that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It it pays doesn't it Does it pay? Uh, I don't know. Is it to do with the human rights to? related to the people who've built the stadiums or something like that.
1: Yeah, it is. I don't know if I can give it to you, though, to be fair. I mean, it's pretty borderline. You're right. They've tried to have a a, a message regarding human rights on the kit. FIFA have rejected that idea. But the, what I was looking for was that They've basically toned down the kit, so they've blacked out the crest, they've blacked out the sponsorship, the manufacturer, so basically their kit is going to look sort of quite um, sombre, let's just say. They've also commissioned a, a black kit, like, almost like an all-black kit, um, to mark the mourning for those who have sadly died in helping Qatar get this World Cup off the ground. So oh, it's it's difficult to... It, I feel harsh, but I don't feel like there was enough substance <sighs> to that answer. You're really on the right lines, but, you know, difficult. One of those t- tight offside calls from VAR, I reckon. Yeah,
2: well... Unlucky. Indeed. We can debate that on a separate podcast...
1: <laughs> which wow, means Marley wins by three this points question. to two so well done Marley um, my tiebreaker question actually was who are Portsmouth playing this weekend in League One so I mean if you would, if you had managed to get that right <laughs> then
3: <laughs> it's got to be like Morecambe or something. is it Arsenal it
1: is Morecambe it actually is Morecambe is it yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Morecambe so, theme
3: on this podcast. I think a couple of weeks ago we had a Morecambe question about Tyson Fury, we did didn't that, we, as
1: well. We did have a Morecambe question about Tyson Fury. The unofficial Fury, partner, yeah,
3: so. unofficial club of the uh, FSD podcast, <laughs> the Shrimpers.
1: The Shrimpers, yeah, certainly. Um, well done, Marley. You've won the quiz for this week. And next week we'll probably have a quiz with a slightly different theme because it's the World Cup right around the corner. And this weekend is the final week of Premier League action. Until Boxing Day. Can you believe that? No Premier League action until after Christmas is been and gone. Don't forget you can keep up to date though with all of the latest when it comes to the top flight of English football and indeed loads of coverage around the World Cup right here on this podcast. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it and you also won't miss the dugout which is out later on this evening. Trevor Stephen, who went to a World Cup, two World Cups in fact, Italia 90 and Mexico 86 with England. He's on the show with us dissecting Gareth Southgate's selection for the three Lions in Qatar. And former Premier League striker Matty Friat, who played for Leicester and Nottingham Forest is also joining us as we look ahead to those weekend Premier League games. But that is it from myself, Ian, and Marley on today's edition of Football Social Daily. Have a great weekend, whatever you're up to, and we'll see you soon.
0: Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk.